Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Today, we are investigating a mystery, and spoiler alert, it is not one that we are going to solve in today's episode. What are we talking about? Well, let's let's take a somewhat circuitous route here. Let's start comparatively local and consider the sun. You know it. You might love it. You've definitely heard of it. It's the closest star to, uh, I almost said the U.S., but it's the closest star to Earth and the U.S. Uh, it's wildly popular. It's one of the few fads that humanity can largely agree is a good thing and should be kept around. But... The sun is far from the only star in the universe. Really quickly, Ben, you know who doesn't like the sun? Me? Beavis and Butthead. Oh. <laughs> Remember that part in the movie where they're like, the sun sucks. That's all I, I think, got. Sorry. Please, Gary. I think yes, I'm there in point. the desert. Feeling yeah, effects. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Dehydration exactly. and yes, yes sunlight. Indeed. I was going to yes, say, indeed. yeah, my, my skin also is not a big fan. Uh, <laughs> but it is also the life giver of, you know, it is the light bringer, if you will. Um, there we go. 
So, so if you're, you know, standing on Earth and you look out, you see our sun, that's definitely the most prominent star out there. But if you continue to look, even with the naked eye, if you're far enough away from a city, you can see that these things are everywhere. And then you imagine just that there are billions of galaxies out there in the vast nothingness. It's not really nothingness. It's the everythingness. It's somethingness <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> but within each of those billions of galaxies, there are stars, right? Or space is a hoax. Oh, uh, you're right. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Well, here are the facts. Let's talk about stars. <laughs> okay, so cool. If you look in one very specific direction out there into the cosmos, and then you travel, let's say, 75 million light years away from the Earth, you will find yourself in the Kinman Dwarf Galaxy. It's also known as PHL 293b, or Phil 293b. Uh, there is a massive star inside this little dwarf galaxy. It's fairly little dwarf galaxy um, that is inside the constellation of Aquarius, if you're looking out there and looking at constellations. Yes, this object in question is known as a luminous blue variable star, or LBV, um, and part of me wants to just pronounce that, but it doesn't roll off the tongue the way Phil does, Matt. You win with that one, sir. Uh, but it's about two and a half million times brighter than the sun, at least at one point in time it was. So, Ben... What's the skinny? What happened with this, uh, this like big brother to the sun that is now no longer that thing? Yes, astute listeners, you may notice that we have started speaking in past tense about this star. Here, here's what happened. This star is already relatively well studied in the modern day. Astrophysicists, astronomers, and so on had investigated it for the better part of a decade, from about 2001 to 2011. There's nothing unusual about that. That is the routine research that scientists will do. This star, however, was different in that it was nearing the end of its stellar life. That's right. Stars, just like people or living things, uh, do have a finite span of time in their existence. And this star was in its older days. It was elderly. It was an elderly star, for lack of a better word. And it was also subject to these weird, unpredictable variations in brightness. So, Noel, you had said uh, this LBV was about 2.5 million times brighter than the sun. It was, but it wasn't consistently at that brightness. And this was pretty baffling. Uh, stars like this are candidly pretty rare, but they are not unknown. So, again, still, this star was not unique yet. A handful of these have been discovered already. However, when people saw these fluctuations in brightness, some enterprising astrophysicists uh, also recognized it as an enormous opportunity for possibly groundbreaking research. And so they said, out of the multitude of stars in the sky, we want to turn the telescopes back to this one and see if there's anything else we can learn. 
Yes, a doctoral astrophysicist student at Trinity Dublin College did just that. A gentleman by the name of Andrew Allen was very interested in the star. So back in uh, 2019, he and his uh, fellow star enthusiasts, um, professional star enthusiasts, decided to use something delightfully named the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope. Love it. Just tell it, tell it like it is. Uh, and they wanted to use this device to get a closer look um, at this star as it started kind of approaching its twilight years, um, the end of its stellar life. And this would potentially uh, really offer some incredible research material, right? Yeah. And, and it's not as though they were going in, you know, completely blind about what may may happen. They had a pretty rough idea of what's going to happen to this star. Because stars do a couple of general different things. But usually when a star, you know, that's this much larger and brighter than the sun begins to really end, like truly end, it's going to explode in some in some form or fashion. And there are several different types of these explosions that we're going to talk about here. But there, it would it would explode and we would notice because we would see it even though it's 75 million light years away and it takes that light that long to reach us, we would still be able to observe it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we know that stars of this size tend to have violent deaths. Uh, and, and also, you know, I, I, I know I'm leaning into the comparisons here uh, and I may be anthropomorphizing a bit, uh, but you'll see why these comparisons are apt. So stars have stars of this nature tend to have violent deaths. Here's what happens. They run out of hydrogen to fuse, right? And then the weight of the star starts squeezing on its core. It gets hotter and hotter and denser and denser. And then the star, uh, almost as if it is struggling to prevent itself from dying, it begins to fuse heavier elements than usual. It's sort of a a Hail Mary, a last-ditch effort to keep from collapsing. So from carbon to silicon to iron, each of these steps generates heat and pressure, but it's never quite enough. And the fusion of these heavier elements, they don't give the star more energy, so boom, the core collapses. And the resulting shock wave of protons and neutrons colliding will rip the star apart. The outer layers are thrown out into the ink, out into space, and it becomes a supernova. Uh, and for, for a very brief time, comparatively, uh, the star is enormously bright. This massive amount of chaos and, and pandemonium makes for a beautiful display, actually. It's, it's weird that for us, it's an amazing firework, uh, but it, it, you know, it's tremendously damaging to the galaxies in which it occurs. And it's one of those things where if you are observing even the region around a star that is going into supernova or beginning to supernova or has recently gone into that process, you'd be able to see it. Because it's not just, you know, um, if you think about our sun. It's not just kind of that ball of gases that's burning, right? It's now, um, if you imagine, you've seen it before depicted in movies and, and science fiction television probably, but it is now kind of coloring the, the uh, space around it, the, the 
darkness around it, right? It looks like a splotch now more than kind of a spherical thing. Um, because it's the, it's all those gases that Ben was talking about, the radiation, it all just kind of looks to have spilled out into the space around it for quite a while. It doesn't just explode and then it's done, right? It doesn't last for a few seconds the way it does in maybe a Star Wars or, or, you know, something like that. It's there and you're observing it again over the course of several years. Man. Yeah. So after the blast, um, this dense core that's left behind um, from stellar material might collapse into a black hole or a neutron star. And those are two of space's most uh, head-scratching kind of mysteries that we really don't know what happens when you get sucked into one of these, or at least not uh, as much as we would like. Um, but that's not what happened to LBV. Uh, when Andrew Allen searched for this um, LBV, uh, he stumbled across a, a bit of a galactic mystery, um, sort of like a victim in some kind of cosmic noir detective story. I love this, Ben. Um, the star had just, just, you know, like they like. Kaiser Soze, like that, it was gone. Um, and in order to investigate this mystery and kind of follow the clues, uh, the researchers had to look back at previous observations and snapshots of the star taken in 2002 and 2009. And they discovered something very interesting, which was that the star had been undergoing a very strong one of those outburst periods that Matt was talking about during that time. Um, getting rid of throwing off in, in enormous amounts of, of that stellar material at a much, much faster rate than normal. I would just like to point out that is not a supernova that, that right. you're talking about there. Um, like it's not an explosion. It's it's ejecting material the way maybe you've seen the the sun with a coronal mass ejection or some of the filaments that just will escape from the surface of the sun and head out into space. It's like, a space tantrum. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> star tantrum. It's yeah, that's essentially what we're talking about here, but at a much higher rate. That's a very good point, Matt. Um, and so what happened next? Well, the researchers know that this kind of star, uh, variable uh, LBV like this can experience these space tantrums as they age. Uh, and that can cause them to glow more brightly but what they found was that the outburst they could prove and trace ended sometime after 2011, right, when routine observation of the star halted, and that meant that they needed some they needed to do some space detective work because sometime between 2011 and 2019 this star simply vanished. So what happened? That's our question today. And we'll attempt to find some answers after a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Here's where it gets crazy. Wait, I, okay, jury's out. What happened? <laughs> well, that's kind of the point of this episode, guys. Um, we don't know exactly what happened and scientists even brilliant uh, younger people who are you know getting phds in astrophysics who are observing the thing directly are trying to figure out exactly what happened but the cool thing that occurs when you know strange things go down is that there are a bunch of explanations proposed uh, hypotheses theories about what perhaps occurred here and what we're going to do from here on out is just explore some of the things that may have happened with this star and some of course are, are a little more out there than others some are a little more mundane a little boring but it's okay because it could be any of these because guess what's coming up in a second ben Oh, yeah, strap in. I have a clear bias on this one, guys. I have the one that I very much want to be true. Uh, we're we're going to get to aliens in a second. But, but, but right now, it's already spooky and disquieting enough to note that uh, stars do a lot of things. They don't just disappear. That, that doesn't happen. They leave a trace. Like you said, Noel, there will be a black hole, right? There will be, there will be some sort of detritus. But this one seems to have just vanished. So if we look at the possibilities, I suggest we start with the mundane, or as you said, Matt, maybe the more boring, aka plausible stuff first. Uh, we have to remember 
to a point I think one of us made earlier, that we're looking at something from a long, long, long way away. There's a lot of space in between us and this star. So much space that there's a lot of time in between us and this star. And in that space, that geographic space between us and this star, uh, there are plenty of things that could get in the way. To preface this, I want to point out something that Matt mentioned off air, that, you know, in that those, that gap between the observation periods, 2011 to 2019, there's, anything could have, any, all bets are off, anything could have happened in that time, so just keep that in mind. But one uh, pretty simple and, and a little bit mundane explanation could be that the star dimmed considerably after its outburst and was then further obscured by um, a thick kind of cluster of cosmic dust. Um, if that's the case, then the star could reappear in future observations. Because again, these, these clouds, uh, this kind of veil could drift through space. And that's a lot of time for something like that. You know, things move very slowly in space, at least far away when you're observing it. That absolutely would be a scenario where the star didn't actually go anywhere. It just wasn't observable at the time. And just what I would say here that this one feels a little odd to me is just how bright the the star was in question here, the LBV, because, you know, we mentioned at the top it was two and a half million times brighter than the sun. Yeah. Right? That's and some even, robust cosmic dust right there, you know? Well, well, it is, uh, for sure. Um, it's just we don't know how far away, you know, where that veil would be located in between the two points, right, on that on that line. Um, I mean, would that be sort of like an asteroid belt or something like like a cluster of like closely knit together material that would potentially obscure something from view? This is what I find hilarious about this. This is classic human. This this theory is basically that uh, is saying that 75 million light years is is a lot of space and that there could be something in front of the telescope. We're dressing it up to sound fancy. And we're going to talk about some weirder stuff, but this is like 100% uh, a possibility and feels like the exact kind of delightful hijinks our species gets itself into. It's like the cosmic equivalent of accidentally having your thumb slightly over the corner of the camera on your phone when you're taking a selfie or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Just you know? If your thumb was, let's say, 40 million light years away in 40 the size million, of a yeah. galaxy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Happens. So we, let's get into what we, you know, what we like to talk about here, the weirder and more exciting explanation. Uh, ben, I think I leave this to you, my friend. Oh, oh, this is, um, this is on the way to weird. I won't say this is, we're not full weird yet on this one, but what if the star never really recovered from its space tantrums when it was bleeding out all that material? Uh, what if it just somehow collapsed into a black hole, not with a bang, but with a whimper? What if no supernova occurred? In short, like what if, what if there wasn't an explosion like that for us to see? It just sort of became a, a black hole. This is pretty crazy. This would be a rare event. And if it did happen, then the star would have made a, a enormous black hole. It would have a, a mass that was 85 to 120 times the mass of Earth's sun. And we have no idea how that would have happened. 
that's like that's at the stage of you know spitballing and speculation where someone says maybe this could have happened, and then someone says, well, how do you think it would have occurred? And everybody has to kind of throw up their hands and shrug because that doesn't make sense. It violates what we understand about the rules of physics. Well, you know what they what they really would have to do, Ben, and it's something that would be completely beyond my understanding is throw up a bunch of physics equations that there's no way I could ever understand. But I've read some some papers on this. We've all read some scientific papers on this now at this point, and trying to wrap my head at least around the math that goes into calculating how it be, could become a black hole like that. People are doing it, and they're checking it out, and they're checking you know their maths. But uh, I certainly couldn't explain it to you on this podcast. But but like you said, rare, but could have happened. Yeah, could have. There's there's another possibility that comes to us uh, through some research, some pretty recent research at Cornell University, right? Is this a step up in the weird spectrum? This one, this is a weird one where it feels more plausible and a little less, I don't know. It, this one rides the line between mundane and strange. So let's, let's just get into it. I'm good with that. Yeah. They, uh, it was a project, um, uh, with, through an article submission to rxiv.org. That is a mouthful. A R X I V.org, which is like a database. Um, and, uh, that's through Cornell University in February 2020. They weighed in on different potential outcomes, um, that we just mentioned so far. And they added this one as another possibility, um, positing what if the light that these astronomers were observing all that time, um, and, and observing that it had dimmed so significantly wasn't actually from an LBV star, but from the explosion of, of, of an LBV star from, you know, a supernova LBV star, the scientists show that a type two N supernova could account for some of these previous misinterpretations of that light that would, you know, in theory have been coming from an active star rather than an explosion. Hmm. Your user error then is a good way to sum up that argument. It's that it's not that the results were wrong or necessarily mysterious at that point, it's that our interpretation of those of that data was incorrect. And these scientists, you know, they, they make a pretty good case for this theory. Yeah, and, and if you, you know, you may think to yourself, what? No, man, there's no way brilliant people could mistake uh, a star just being there physically somewhere and an explosion. Well, uh, maybe think again. Here, I'm going to read a couple quotes here from this article that was published. It says, It is possible the SN supernova 2N-like event occurred some sometime between September 1995 and September 1998 when no photometry is available. So no actual pictures of this star and of the light being emanated from that area. Uh, going back to the quote, in some cases, supernova light curves exhibit bumps several years after the explosion. Now, that would account for, you know, uh, early on, Ben was talking about how this star or wherever this light was coming from, it was very bright at times and then seemed to dim a bit and then be very bright, even brighter and then a little more dim. Um, and that's what they're describing here is these bumps in output of light. And here's another quote here. The most plausible explanations for the recent dissipation of the broad emission after an unusually persistent phase are an LBV outburst 
followed by a slow weekly variable phase or a very long-lived SN2N event. That's a supernova event. Um, So again, exactly what we described before, the most plausible things are that it just had that weird outburst, that space tantrum we talked about, then just dimmed very significantly after that, or it was a long-lived supernova that we've just been observing as though it were a star. Uh, And they say the latter is more likely given the lack of short timescale variability and the slowly fading light curve. Oh, the language of scientists, everyone. Yeah, you did a really good job of unpacking that, Matt, though. I, I applaud you. And now I think we're, we're, we're to Ben's favorite part of today's episode when we get legitimately uh, in, into the weirdosphere here. Oh, I yeah, I'm excited about this one, guys. I think it's, it's going to be uh, our – I think we'll be unanimous in deciding this is our favorite part. This is our favorite possible explanation. But let's hold the tension just a bit longer. We'll pause for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. 
$25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Noel, Matt, fellow conspiracy realists, let's dream big. What if this mysterious star was never destroyed at all? What if reports of its death are exaggerated? What if instead of being annihilated, this star was simply tamed? Which sounds crazy, right? I'm anthropomorphizing left and right here. But to put a a very fine point on it, what if somewhere out there in the ink, an extraterrestrial civilization has somehow mastered the art of taming stars and using them for energy? Ooh, now we're talking, Ben. This is what I'm talking about, taming a star. How, do, how does one do that? Well, you, it's not like you can lasso it or uh, capture it in a, a trap of some sort, right? Uh, you know, uh, we know that we haven't done it yet, officially. But this is, this is something I, I think we've talked about on, on Stuff They Want You To Know before, the concept of the Kardashev scale. And this this is this is very interesting but we we have to explore just a little bit about this so it doesn't sound so the idea of someone taming a star doesn't sound absolutely bonkers which maybe it is that sounds like something Dr. Manhattan would do or like maybe <laughs> yes. Thor you know fighting a star or taming a star but no this is yeah we can we can Put this in um, relatively grounded terms. Um, So, in 1964, a Soviet astronomer named Nikolai Kardashev proposed that a civilization's level of technological advancement um, is like a direct correlation to the amount of energy that the civilization is able to utilize. And he's got three, he categorizes civilizations into three categories, type one, type two, type three, in a burst of creativity, as Ben would say. Uh, a type one civilization can manage the entire energy um, output and material resources of a planet. A type two civilization is capable of harnessing the energy and material resources of a star and its entire planetary system. And a type three uh, civilization is able to wrangle all of the energy and material resources of an entire galaxy. Let's just try to uh, simplify this ever so slightly. So within this scale, it's theoretically possible that some intelligent civilization somewhere out there in space has reached the level of a type two civilization. Um, type three is just beast mode. Um, and, and this would mean the construction of uh, something called a Dyson sphere. No, that is not uh, a ball vacuum cleaner, but I do believe that's where the name came from, if I'm not mistaken. Or is the guy's name actually Dyson? I think it's I think it's a connection. Because there's that Dyson vacuum that has the sphere. I, I don't know. I'm just conjecturing here. Yeah, it's uh, the Dyson Sphere is named after Freeman Dyson, but I don't think he's affiliated with the vacuums. Nope, that's Sir James Dyson, uh, who just happens, it's just parallel thinking, because <laughs> only <laughs> James decided to keep his scientific uh, smarts in the realm of, uh, of, of uh, keeping your home nice and tidy. But they're both working with vacuums when you think about it. <laughs> that's <laughs> very true. Terrible that's point. I think it's perfectly spot on, and it certainly uh, helped, helped me look a little less foolish, and I appreciate that. Oh, no, no, no chumps in the squad. I just want to put out there that I think we're talking about a type two civilization building a Dyson sphere here. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. I think we're actually talking about a type three civilization, gentlemen, here. Beast mode? 
I think we're talking about beast mode because of the time frame where the dimming occurred. But let's continue forward. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that scale is a tremendously humbling one. If you are familiar with Kardashev or if you have read his work or if you, you know, if you're thinking about this and putting humanity in this context, we are yet to become a type one civilization. We are below the bottom barrel of energy. (laughs) Kardashev made a scale that is a little bit difficult for the average human to relate to, perhaps, or the average society. But a Dyson sphere is even cooler than a Dyson um, vacuum cleaner. The technology, if it exists, would... um, would would be like that Arthur C. Clarke quote, you know, it would be indistinguishable from magic to the average human being here on our ball of mud. The Dyson sphere is a theoretical structure that's just like the, the kind of trap you described, Matt. Uh, it, it's something that would be built or constructed somehow around the entirety of a star. Imagine putting the sun in a box and then this sphere this uh this contraption would capture all of the energy emitted by the star and most importantly it would be able to transfer that energy convert it into some sort of usable form for the enigmatic constructors of the dyson sphere this thing would be huge it would be without exceptions without hyperbole it would be the biggest thing ever built as far as humanity could understand. It was, like, you think the Death Star is a big deal in Star Wars? I mean, it's a huge plot point. doesn't have the best design. Get it, sure. But, it, but it's massive. This would absolutely dwarf this. We have, we have no idea how it would be built. Absolutely. At least the, the Dyson Sphere that was put forward, as you said, by Freeman Dyson in 1960, because you're talking about bigger than a star. Right, it's some constructed thing that's larger than a star. Um, certainly boggles the mind there. But there have been several theoretical, uh, obviously very theoretical types of solar grids, almost that would consist of smaller, essentially machines and solar capture devices that would be placed close to a star. Um, but not in the same way as a a Dyson sphere wouldn't encapsulate the entire thing. But uh, there are some really fascinating concepts out there right now about how you could begin down the road to a Dyson sphere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I do want to give credit where it's due. Dyson formalized this idea back in 1960, but we believe he was he was inspired by earlier works of science fiction by authors like Olaf Stapledon and a fellow named J.D. Bernal. It's weird. The cool thing about science fiction is that uh, sometimes it ends up being uh, prescient, right? Like the U.S. government, true story, has hired science fiction writers in the past and just said, okay, yeah, pitch this to us. Uh, This is a real thing we're working on. How should we handle it? And they get some wild answers. But yeah, Dyson Dyson had a, a pretty solid logic. He said, look, if humanity can continue our merry and mad experiment uh, of existence, 
eventually we are going to expand our energy demands so much so that we are going to need to figure out a way to get the total energy output of the sun. How do we do that? How do we make that happen? He came up with the Dyson sphere. As you said, Matt, there are, it sounds so bonkers, but there, there are pretty, I don't want to say conclusive. There are compelling and tantalizing arguments for the legitimacy or the feasibility of a Dyson sphere. The craziest thing about this whole notion is that theoretically it's possible. Theoretically, it is possible to build something around a star. I really quickly just want to make a pop culture reference in the 130th episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Relics. Uh, the Enterprise, you know, as they typically do, responds to a distress call and they discover a Dyson sphere. So a fun way to kind of see it sort of fictionalized because it is there's some science behind it, but it also it's one of those things that's a little nebulous, right? Like it's conceptually possible, but it's also like a thing in Star Trek that they're presenting as though it's real, but we're not really there yet technologically uh, to actually make that happen. And just to reiterate, that was Star Trek The Next Generation Season 6, Episode 4, a.k.a. the 130th episode of the show, called Relics. Relics. I liked it. Man, I love Star Trek. I, I do too. Parts of it are corny, but oh, man. I find it very relaxing and comforting. I'll put it on before bed sometimes. It sort of lulls me into a nice space trance. I'm super into the Borg, the Q, all the villains. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I want to put this out there because I maybe I just am not fully understanding. I pose it to you guys as a philosophical question. I don't understand why a, a, an intelligence at that level would want to fully encapsulate a star knowing the effects that that would have on all of the solar system that, you know, is surrounding that star. Like it feels like you'd want to capture the energy or enough of the energy of that star while still allowing it to keep, you know, the functionality of the, the solar system. Um, and maybe it's just my misunderstanding of how that would actually affect it. Because you certainly wouldn't be sending heat anywhere throughout the solar system anymore if you put a Dyson sphere on the thing. You're saying it would affect, like, gravitational balance or something like that? or what? Well, I mean, if, if there's any – I guess you'd want to identify a star that doesn't have any life on any of the planets or observable life on any of the planets. If you're anything like the, you know, <laughs> the, the crew of the Starship Enterprise and – you know, the Federation and all that. Or maybe if you don't give a crap and you're just, you need that star energy, you just put a Dyson sphere on that thing and F everybody else. Well, here's the, here, this is a great question. And it's also, unfortunately, uh, a good argument against a Dyson sphere being responsible for the disappearance of this star. And it's this, it's a question of efficiency. Why build uh, an entire box or an entire sphere around a star when you can get all the energy you need from an alternative design, like a Dyson ring. Think about how much we save in, in terms of, great, now we're space engineers. Think about all the, the cost cutting we could institute if we just got a, a Dyson um, 
what's sometimes described as a Dyson swarm. And that would be, instead of one contiguous sphere, we have, uh, we have like satellites in these positions, right? These immovable or static positions uh, arranged in maybe a ring, that would be the simplest form, or in a series of rings, like the, the lines of uh, longitude on a globe, right? We would still be uh, harvesting a, a tremendous amount of energy, but we would also, you know, energy would be leaving the uh, mechanism as well. And to your point, Matt, I think it's more dangerous for us to anthropomorphize alien life than it is to anthropomorphize stars because uh, it leads us down these dark, these dark roads, these dark paths to your question about why, why someone or some entity would build a sphere knowing that it could wreak havoc on a solar system. Um, all we can say is that if an aliens or anything like us, if an extraterrestrial mind is anything like our own, uh, then we can look at our human past and every time we have had a chance to do the right thing for the environment during, you know, energy rushes, we have decided to go with the short-term profit. Yeah, Prime Minister Grolp needed that star energy, man. <laughs> right, right. We need that star energy. You know, uh, the other other life forms will just have to deal with it. it it's true, though. Um, there's no proof of this. It's just a fascinating idea. And, you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, whenever the concept of aliens somewhere out there in space comes up, they are more or less a mathematical certainty. And that makes this theory so fascinating for a few different reasons. If, if a Dyson sphere, we know it can be built, but if there is a civilization capable of building one, that makes the possibility of finding intelligent extraterrestrial life so much easier. There's a big thing that we can find, you know what I mean? Uh, and then second, if we find something like this, it would prove a powerful commonality because it would mean that these entities, these minds, whatever they are, it would mean that they use energy in a way similar to us, that they, like us, uh, derive uh, nourishment and existence from a star. And that, that, that sounds small, but philosophically, that's astounding. That's, that's kind of beautiful. I mean, we have to remember every single thing uh, that d about discovering a Dyson sphere would be historic. It would be mind blowing. It would be no small way terrifying. Uh, but we also have to remember, you know, when we think about life and planets that carry life, we are stuck with a sample size of one. So we have no idea. This this would be. I I would rarely say this, guys, but this would be a. Um, a revolution of a spiritual level as well as a scientific and secular one. I really want, I really quickly want to point out that um, Popular Mechanics has a, a fantastic article called Could We Build a Dyson Sphere by Adam Hadizy from February 20th of uh, this year. And so it is, you know, theoretically possible, but you know, from everything that I've read, it would take like 80 years to build one just with the metrics of what we know of how much material it would take and just like the, you know, the time frame of constructing such a thing and just the logistics of it. But there's also a few pretty cool videos on, on YouTube about conceptually what it would take to build a Dyson sphere. But 
it's it's I love the stuff that like this that's conceptually possible, but we're just not there yet because it really scratches that sci-fi itch for me. And I think this is exactly that. It's, it's such an interesting story. Well, we're in this scenario. We're talking about roughly nine years or a little less than that. Some short period of time where this star went from extremely bright to disappearing. Right. So if a Dyson sphere was installed, I'm thinking. You got two halves of a Dyson sphere, and you ram them together, and now it's gone. Ikea style. <laughs> All right. I love, I love it. Some assembly required, right? Yeah, that, that, that would be like a one million page Ikea manual, you know? <laughs> Maybe it's also super simple. Maybe it's just the equivalent of one very vague assembly sheet, and it says, take Dyson sphere half A, noted as A, and attach to B. No, to just be. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I've been assembling a lot of uh, a, a lot of furniture from sketchy places recently, and I, and I'm loving. I, I, I'm loving the genre of writing that the instructions are in. But but you guys are right. Uh, we we can find this inspiring. The Dyson sphere is still kind of a. Uh, I mean, it's a thought experiment. There's a great. Uh, YouTube video about this called uh, In a Nutshell. If you guys are familiar with those series, they do animated, excellent explanations of ver- various things of this nature. Uh, but the jury is still out. If you want a Dyson Sphere to be real and you want this LBV to be evidence of one, then we have somewhat good news for you. Currently, this star has yet to reappear. No one has confirmed whether it transformed into a black hole whether there's some kind of uh, cosmic flotsam and jetsam in between the telescope and the star. And we don't know if it got bound into a Dyson sphere. We don't know what happened. There was no supernova. There was no sudden burst of light, no dying scream of emitted energy. Instead, like a drowning sailor, this enormous star just sort of slipped beneath the waves. Also, on a uh, somewhat depressing philosophical note because of the passage of time we have to realize that if this civilization existed they existed 75 million years ago so even if they were there our odds of finding them now are very 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 low as we understand them we should end it on a higher note sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's all good I, I do like that we're in that we're ending here with a mystery because it gives us, you know, something to look forward to. Because we will find out what happened to this star or this supernova. It's just gonna take time. Thankfully it won't take seventy five million years, light years, but it will uh you know, we'll get there. What if what if uh what if there's some uh, deep space equivalent of a leviathan or a kraken and it, it's like a life form and it like eats stars what if there's a star eater out there oh no, it's just uh swimming past the star for an elongated period of time <laughs> stuff of nightmares right there gentlemen <laughs> we want to hear from you folks thank you as always so much for tuning in what do you think happened to this LBV, can you solve the mystery of a star that, again, just disappeared? We've posed, uh, we've posed various theories, uh, again, as Matt said, ranging across the spectrum of plausibility. 
But what did we miss? What do you think? Uh, what would be the wildest thing that could happen? What do you think is the most likely uh, thing that could happen? And what should what should we be looking for when we search the sky at night? Hmm. Besides giant dice space whales or space yeah, whales? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. I do. Now I just want to see that. Has that ever been depicted? We're gonna. I'm gonna start just a Google search. Where giant space whales? We're gonna build it somewhere. Did, in some didn't story. we talk about space whales in a recent episode? And I, and I incorrectly said that uh, Mobius was a big purveyor of space whales, and he maybe did one space whale. But we looked up pictures. It's definitely a popular sci-fi trope, but it wasn't Mobius. But I I don't know. Oh. The art, yes, yeah. I believe so. We yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're amazing. Well, let us know uh, what your take on a space whale is. I'll, also, I'm interested. Um, I, I was thinking about this earlier. If we think about the universe just in terms of size, there could easily be life forms that are larger than our entire planet, uh, and we might never know. It's just, what do they breathe, man? How does that work? <laughs> just, uh, just, just energy, bro. Just straight space dust. I, I have no idea, man. Space yeah, vibes. The wrong guy. There you Radi- go. Radiation, maybe? Maybe they're like, uh, you know how whales have uh, baleen that allows them to filter krill? Maybe they're doing something like, okay, look, this has nothing to do with this disappearing star. We haven't solved the mystery. We want to we hear from you folks. Uh, let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, not just as a show, but as individuals. Yes, if you wish, you may find me on Instagram, uh, which is where I hang out. Um, not really a tweeter, um, but I do lurk occasionally, and I'm trying to get more into it because of because of all the smart folks out there on Twitter making crazy, weird Twitter communities out there that I feel excluded from. But for now, I am an Instagram-only user, at Brown. And should you wish to take some weird detours in your daily interneting, you can find me at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter or at Ben Bolin on Instagram. And if you're not into social media, you can give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. Uh, please give us a call. Let us know what you think. I apologize that we do not say that in unison anymore. It became... Much harder than we expected when attempting to do it over a, a Zoom call. All the things we've lost from COVID, you guys. People are saying it uh, at home along with us. We can we can hear you through the void. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I don't know, um, go ahead and leave us some messages. We've got a big old backlog that we need to start curating, and we're already in the process of doing so. And there may be some opportunities to hear yourself on the show coming up in the near future. And then, you know, if, if you if your phone isn't your thing and, and you want to uh, maybe you don't want to go on the social media, but you still want to, like, participate in the, the stuff they don't want you to know, extended universe, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a cool review, help fight the trolls, you guys. We'd very much appreciate some kind words on Apple Podcasts that help people discover the show and uh, pushes some of those mean ones further down in the list. Yes. And in general, if you don't want to do any of those things, but you still want to let us know what you think or you found something interesting that you want to share with us, please write to us. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.